Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you and pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. We recognize, God, that you are awesome in this place, Lord. Lord, we recognize that you are amazing, Father, and that we want to serve you, and we want to worship you, and we want to just feel your presence right now, God. And first of all, we just give you thanks for everything that you've done for us. In your name I pray, amen. All right, we're going to go to Psalms chapter 92, and really I could have picked out several scriptures in Psalms to talk about this, but we're going to go to this particular one, and today... Because what is Thursday? No. Today, a Thursday is eat yourself full day, right? Thanksgiving. I told my mother-in-law, I said, you know, you are what you eat. And she looked at me and she said, here, have some more turkey. True story. (laughs) Let's read this verse together. Psalms 92, 1 through 2. It is good. Can I say that one more time? It is good. When something is good, what does that mean? It's good, right? Fry bread, it is good. Right? Jello, it is good. How come everything that's good is is bad for you food-wise, right? All right? Snickers bars, they are good. (laughs) Right? But here the Bible says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. See, the writer here, and we think the writer was David, the writer here was giving some instruction. It was giving some instruction of what we ought to do, how we ought to act in church, how we ought to do things. And what he's saying right here is the first thing that we should do before we even come into a service, the first thing that we should do is give thanks. Now, let's be honest. How many of us, that's the first thing we do? The first thing we're thinking about is our seat, maybe where we're going to seat, or maybe where we're going to go out to eat afterwards. But the Bible says you you got to get in the right mind when you come in the presence of God. Amen. You got to you got to get your head on straight. You got to come in knowing that you're entering into the holy presence of a holy God. Amen. And the first thing you need to do before you give praise is to give thanks. Amen. Brothers and sisters, that is something that has become missing in our culture. That is something that has come missing in America today. We have gotten so accustomed to things that we believe things to be a right to us when they were never a right to us. And we don't give thanks anymore for what God has done to bless this nation. And he has mightily blessed this nation. We're so intent on, on pointing out all the faults that have been done wrong and that we forgot to give glory to the God to say thank you for a nation that at least treats me as a person. Or maybe they didn't always treat me 
as a person, but we're learning how to deal with those things, aren't we? We have the freedom, amen? For those of you who have lived in other countries, who have experienced countries where they don't have the freedoms that we do, I can assure you here in America, it is so much better than anywhere else. I can remember living in Germany. I can remember traveling throughout Europe and experiencing the, the pains of what the world has when they lose their freedom. I remember going to a communist country when communism fell, and I can remember how they would look over their shoulder, wondering if the police were watching them. Brothers and sisters, we live in a country that still honors God, amen? But we have forgotten how to give thanks for what we have, haven't we? We have a sense of entitlement, don't we? See, during the Great Depression, nothing was taken for granted. Everything was eaten. Everything was accounted for. But something happened. Something happened after the Great Depression and after World War II, that great war that was won, we experienced growth and prosperity. And what happens when growth and prosperity comes, there comes expectations. Advertising companies would advertise, you deserve a new car. You deserve a new refrigerator. Well, yes, I do deserve a new refrigerator. I've only had this one for three months. I need a new one. You deserve this. You deserve that. Brothers and sisters, we don't deserve anything. Amen? Can I just tell you straight up? God gives us things, but we don't deserve anything. What happened is the baby boomer generation were the first to experience some of the excesses of this country, and they had things that their parents never had. And then the next generations got even more. And now this generation that we're in, Generation Z, they now have never known life without a cell phone. Have you ever tried to take a cell phone away from a Generation Z person? Have you ever tried to like punish them? You remove their cell phone? It's a meltdown, isn't it? If you were to take their phone from them, they wouldn't know how to operate. They wouldn't know what to do. But they've never known life without a cell phone. When I was born, I was happy. I got a computer. I thought I was spoiled. I got a computer that had 64 megabytes of memory. Now, just so that you know, the iPhones today have one terabyte of memory. I don't know the math in there, but that's a lot compared to my 64 megs on a computer. I remember I set this computer up, and it hardly did anything, and I finally got it to do one thing. I got it to play Pong. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of the, older, some of the younger generation are like, what is he talking about? Just hang with me, okay? We're going to get there. I remember I had this, and I was so excited. Now I've got a laptop in my office, and I got frustrated because I typed something, and it didn't respond to my typing, and I got frustrated. I said, well, I need a new one. We've gotten away with just wanting new things all the time. And as a testament to that, our landfills, brothers and sisters, are filled with things that we no longer want because it wasn't good enough for us anymore. We wanted something new. I remember in the old days, if something broke, you fixed it, didn't you? You put it together with duct tape, didn't you? You did whatever you could to keep it going. But now they've made credit so available that you could just go on and finance it or you can do this. And there's nothing wrong with financing until you lose your job. Come on now. 
You ever finance something and said, I could pay this off in five years. You don't know what's going to happen in five years. You could get sick. You could lose your job. The economy could tank. We could have massive inflation. By the way, we have all that right now, don't we? We have all of that right now, don't we? Can I, can I tell you something right now? The average consumer debt right now, the average amount that a person owes right now, I'm going to give you this number. Are you ready? $96,571 is how much the average person owes. Now, some of you are feeling good because like, wow, I don't know nearly that much. Some of you are going, oh, man, I owe way more than that. The point I'm trying to make is, is that we're a nation in debt. That equals, just so that you know, that equals to $16.5 trillion of money that we owe somebody else. Did you know that America is borrowing money from the Chinese to help pay its bills? Now, doesn't that seem a little crazy to you? That seems crazy to me. We are borrowing money from our enemy to pay our bills because we want to live in the excess because what I've realized, brothers and sisters, is we are not thankful for what we have right now. We want the newest car. We want the newest iPhone. We want the newest Android. I don't know why anybody would want an Android, but I'm not going to get into that right now. We want the newest this, we want the newest clothes, we want the newest car, we want the car that has all the bells and whistles, not realizing that when you buy a car, it's not just the car payment, but then you got to buy insurance on that car. Has anybody had insurance on their car? My insurance company sent me a letter saying, we're raising your rates by 25%. I asked them, I said, why? And they, were, they wrote me back this long letter, and you know what they said? They said, because... And I said, I'm going to go somewhere else. You know what they said? Oh, no. Because they know that it's all locked in, right? And so not only do I have to pay insurance on my car, I have to put what in it? Has anybody been to the gas pump lately? I saw a guy taking off his arm and putting it on the gas tank. Just here, just take it, right? I saw, I saw a guy give his firstborn and goes, here, just take my child. They wouldn't take him right? It's expensive. It used to be around, and I'm not going to get political. We can go into all the reasons. Well, it's this way. No, the reality is we're in a time right now that if you live paycheck to paycheck three years ago, you're in a deficit right now. And a lot of that is because of our attitude towards gaining things, isn't it? We go out and we finance. We always have to have the biggest thing. We always have to have this. We always have to have that. Sometimes, Sometimes our hurting financially is because of convenience. How many work a full-time job and it's hard to come home and make a meal? Right? So what do we do? We go to Donna's. Has anybody tried every menu item on Donna's like I have? Or we go to Village, or not Village, Valley. Sorry, I'm thinking of Anchorage. Village, Valley, whatever, somewhere. We go to a valley because it's easier just to get in the car, which takes gas, to go down to a restaurant and have someone serve us. But how much does it cost to feed a family of three or four at Valley? Over $100, right? 
My wife and I went time. I said, you know, we're just going to have a date. And then my daughter pipes up, oh, buy me something. And I'm like, oh, man, that's an extra $25 I got to spend now. I said, can't you just make something at home? And she looked at me, she says, can't you? <laughs> she didn't get anything that night. We do these things out of convenience, but what happens is, is we're not thankful for what we have. We look at our refrigerator full of food, and I'm not here to condemn with you. I'm just trying to get you to understand some things, okay? Because trust me, we go out to you too, all right? I've been out to eat more times this week because sometimes it's just convenient, right? But we look in our refrigerator, we are full of food, and we go, no, I don't want that. I want to go somewhere else. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that we've lost that sense of thankfulness to the Lord for what he's provided for us. We've lost that sense of thankfulness for the things that he's done for us. And a lot of that, a lot of that is because we're not content with our lives, are we? This is what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, he said, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Can I, can I tell you today that I see a lot of uncontent people? They'll go out, and this is where I want to warn you, okay? They'll go out and they'll spend their entire paycheck on Christmas to try to satisfy people that won't appreciate what you bought them instead of paying their bills like they should. I, t I told my family, I love you, but Mr. Electric's going to get his money before you get a present. Your present is I'm your dad. Amen? Go turn that light on. That's your present. Amen? <laughs> Go turn that light on. Go turn that oven on with the little gas comes up. That's your present. I'm going to put little bows all around my house. Amen? And if I get you something, be thankful, but don't demand anything of me, right? Now, I know we love to give stuff because it makes us feel good, but a lot of times we're just not content. Amen? We're not content in who we are. We always feel like we have to keep up with somebody. We always feel like that we have to measure up. You don't have to measure up to anybody. Amen? As a church, we need to become thankful for what God has given us. God has given us a place to live. Amen? God has given us a place to go to. God has given us a church. God has given us a home that we're going to one day. God has given us a hope that he's coming back. God has provided for you. God has done all these things for you, brothers and sisters. Why do we try to gather material excesses when it's all going to burn up one day anyway. Let me say that again because I want you to hear me, okay? Why do we sacrifice and finance our lives away to buy things that are going to burn up one day anyway? Has anybody bought a car yet that has lasted more than 80 years? No. How long do cars last nowadays? Two years? Three years? Four years? Maybe five? Isn't it funny that we still have cars from the 70s, but you don't see cars from five years ago anymore? I see people driving around these cars from the 70s and said, man, I remember that car. We don't have cars to go. How about refrigerators? Remember when refrigerators would like last several generations? Now refrigerators have computer chips. They'll call you and text you if you're out of food. Got a text, you're out of fry bread. 
Your, your, your cottage cheese is bad. Well, of course it's bad. I never ate it. Your sour cream is bad. You need to buy more. This is bad. It'll actually will text you and let you know these things. Brothers and sisters, we think we need all these new things, but we don't, do we? Amen? We've got to learn to be thankful. This is what Paul says. He says more, I know how to be abased. In other words, I know how to be put down. I know how to be humbled. And I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. See, brothers and sisters, sometimes we only praise God when things are going good, right? When the bank account has money in it. When, when, when our, our gas tank is filled up. When our lives are going good and our kids are in church. But Paul is saying here, listen, I've been in good times. And I worship the Lord. But let me tell you something. I've been at the low point of my life. I've been when I've been hurting. I've been when things were going right. I've been where I didn't know where God was. But I was in a Philippian jail and I'd just been beat. But at midnight I lifted up my hands and I began to worship God. At midnight I began to sing praises to God. And guess what happened? The very walls shook, brothers and sisters. If we can learn how to do that. If we can learn how to do that. Praise God in the good times. Praise God in the bad times. Going down the road and you get a flat tire. You go, praise God, that's awesome. Amen. Somebody's hearing me. <laughs> Amen. Wake up at 3 in the morning to feed the baby. Praise God. Amen. Oh, I just bounced a check. Some of you young people don't know what that means. You don't ever write checks. I asked my daughter the other day about checks. She didn't know what I was talking about. I just balanced a check. Praise God. Man, it's hard to praise God during the tough times, isn't it? It's hard to praise God when things aren't going right, when things are crashing down around you. I had a little frustration this morning. Things were getting to me, and they were just irritating me, and I was getting all kind of worked up. And I went to my office and said, Lord, you got to help me. I don't want to get worked up. I want to praise you. And immediately the Lord came down on me. He gave me a new attitude. See, when we recognize it, and we begin to praise God, and we begin to thank God for what he's doing, God, I thank you for the problems. Amen. I thank you for the valleys. I thank you for all that I've been through, because through it all, through it all, I have learned to trust in Jesus. I have learned to trust in God. Amen. We have to be thankful for what the Lord has done for us. We get so wrapped up on the meaning of Thanksgiving. We get wrapped up in the political message. Let me tell you what Thanksgiving should be about. It's not about what happened in the 1600s. Thanksgiving is what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. That's what we should be thankful for. And then, let me tell you, I don't care what culture you are. I don't care what race you are. I don't care where you come from. The cross is level, amen? We all belong in the cross. You're my brother. You're my sister. I don't care who you are. We're in this together, amen? We are one body, one mind, one race, and I am thankful for you, amen? I am thankful for you. You know, racism would stop if the church would put a stop to it. Come on now. Racism would stop if the church would put a stop to it. If the church would demonstrate that we love each other the way that we should love each other, instead of accusing each other, instead of churches getting political, 
Instead of ministers getting on church saying, I support this politician or I support this politician. See, that doesn't belong in the church. You know why? Because I don't believe in politicians. I believe in God. Okay? I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're Republican. By the way, you heard me, okay? I don't care if they're Republican. I don't care if they're Democrat. I don't care if they're or independent. I'm voting kingdom of God. I'm voting kingdom of God. Amen. And by the way, whatever politician gets in office, their kingdom is going to come to an end one day. But I know whose kingdom is going to last forever. Amen. I know whose kingdom is going to last forever. And brothers and sisters, we somehow think that these politicians actually care about us. They don't care about us. They care about power. They care about getting back in office again. I'm going to tell you who cares about you, and that is my mighty God. That is my Savior. He cares about you, need. Don't thank a politician. Thank God. Amen? Thank God for what he's done for you. Thank you for the valleys. Amen? I thank God that he sent me through times of trouble. I thank God that he sent me through times of trial. I thank God that he sent me through times of excess and abundance because he blessed me so that I could in turn bless somebody else. Amen. You understand that, right? When you're blessed, that God is saying, okay, now that you're blessed, give that to somebody else. Pass it on. Amen. Pass it on. If I get an extra dollar in my pocket, guess what? It's yours. Amen. It's not for me. Praise God. God gave me that dollar to give to somebody else. I'm going to tell you this. This is a funny story. You ready? Somebody came up and gave me some, a certain amount of money. There was a large amount of money. They said, I just want you to have this, Pastor. And I'm not going to lie to you. I needed this. And I was like, praise God. God's answered my prayer. And I tell you this to you not to brag. I'm just wanting you to hear me, okay? I was like, man, God, thank you. And the Lord says, I'm not giving this to you. I'm giving it to somebody else. I just, I'm, I'm going to show you who. I'm like, what? I didn't hear you. Hearing's gone, God. I didn't hear what you said. And God says, you heard me. So a young person came to me. And they said, they began to cry. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I've, I've got this need. And it seems too much for me. And the Holy Spirit said, there it is man, God, I really need this money. And God says, do what I told you to do. And so the Lord looked at me, I, I, the Lord pressed on me, and I took this money out of my wallet, and I said, here, it's not all you need, but it's a start. You guys understand that when God does something for you, it's meant to be passed on. Amen. Okay? The Holy Ghost that you got... That's not, for you. That's not meant for you to come in and start speaking in tongues and get a blessing all for yourself. The, the Bible talks about going out, amen? Because see, if you're thankful for something, you're not going to be selfish about it. You're not going to be selfish about it. So I gave this money to this person. I said, okay, Lord, I was obedient. And I was also honest with him. I said, you know, i got to be honest. I didn't like that because I needed that money. You know, you can be honest with God, right? Because he already knows how you feel. And I kid you not, not even three days later, someone come up to me and say, hey, pastor, I felt led to give you this money. And I got the money back. You guys understand what happens when God does that and when he works in your life? When you're thankful, 
when you're thankful what God does in your life and you're obedient to him. See, I got to be honest with you. Money was always important to me, but I'm learning not to worry about money because God's got the money. Every time I worry about money, I get poor. You know what I'm talking about? But when I say, okay, God, I'm going to give away what I have. I'm going to give people what they need. Now, there's some people that I'm not going to do that with because they're not thankful. It's an expectation. I've even heard people say, well, you owe me. You're the pastor. You know what I say? No, I don't. If you'll show me in Scripture, well, that's true, then I'll do it. But it's not in Scripture. I don't owe you anything. See, we get used to things, right? We, get, we have expectations and demands because we don't appreciate what God is doing for us. When I tell you, when you become thankful for God, when you become thankful to Him, He begins to supply your need like never before. If you want to go back to the pilgrims and what they did, the reason why they had Thanksgiving is they were so appreciative to the indigenous people there of helping them during this time of need. They said, let's all come together in fellowship. Let's all worship together. And I'm telling you, that's what we need to do today, amen? We need to be grateful what somebody has done to pour into our life. We need to be grateful what we're doing in other people's lives, amen? Now what's happened is we've taken that day when it's morphed into something else, into political ideology, and it doesn't need to do that. We need to recognize it for what it is. It's Thanksgiving and fellowship. Fellowship, man, I love, the more older I get, the more I love fellowship. I just love being around people. I love when people bring me fry bread. Have I mentioned that enough? Has the hand gone enough? Praise God. I love when people bring food. And I know, I know you're looking at me, and this is kind of weird. You can look at me, and you go, and I'm going to tell you a little secret about me, is I love food. Can you tell? You can tell, right? My wife has fed me well. This, did, this took years and years of preparation and, and feeding. And, and now the doctor says he wants me to lose it. And I said, I rebuke that right now. <laughs> I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And he didn't think that was funny. I said, no, I've carefully catered this. This is important. As a church of God preacher, I am required by law to have this. Amen? Required by law. But we become thankful. And a lot of people have misused this next verse. But I want to quote it to you in context. Let's look at that next verse. Paul says this, I can do all things. See, it talks about I've learned to be content. I've learned how to live without, and I've learned how to live with. And because of that, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Praise God, I want to tell you today that God is going to give you strength in your difficult time. God is going to give you strength when you need it the most. When you have a thankful heart, when you come into the sanctuary and you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing for me. Thank you, God. Thank you. I remember when our kids were growing up, they would come to us and they would demand something from us. They would take it, and my, my, my response to them when they didn't thank us is I would take it back from them. I said, you're going to learn how to say thank you. Imagine how God feels about us. He wants us to say thank you to him. He wants us. As a matter of fact, 26 times just in Psalms, we're instructed to give thanks. In Ephesians, Paul says this, 
Ephesians 1, 15 and 16 says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. Make a mention of you in my prayers. Do you hear what Paul said? I don't cease giving thanks. In other words, giving thanks has become a part of him. Giving thanks has become something that is his nature. When I was at the Friday night event with these young people at the University of Alaska Southeast, I talked to them about our nature. And our nature is carnal. Our nature is sinful. We're, we're not a holy people. But when you do the things of God, it can become your nature. Amen? It, can, it seems weird to thank God all the time because it doesn't seem natural. And it's not natural. But we have to make it natural. It's just like prayer and reading the Bible. We have to make it natural. When I first started praying as a young adult, I had a hard time doing it. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know when to do it. But now I find myself literally all day long praying to God, praying for you. I wake up in the middle of the night, two and three in the morning, and I wake up, and the first thing out of my mouth, God bless this church. God bless the people. And I start naming your names. I start calling out your name to God. When you become an attitude of prayer, when you have an attitude of thankfulness, it becomes natural to you. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have an attitude of prayer and reading his word and thankfulness. Amen. There were 10 lepers that Luke talks about. Leprosy, as you know, was a terrible, terrible disease. Leprosy would come upon you and it would eat away your skin. And you would have big holes in your skin where they could see your internal organs and Pieces of your body would fall off, and eventually you would just rot. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. You would just rot. You would smell like decaying flesh. And there were ten of them, these ten men. And they called out to Jesus. They said, hey, heal us, heal us. Because Jesus had been known to heal lepers. Now, this is an amazing thing that he healed leprosy because no one had ever been healed of leprosy except for a, an officer, a Syrian officer in the Old Testament, and, and Miriam, the mother of, of uh, Moses, he, she was healed of leprosy, but no one else had ever been healed of leprosy. And here Jesus shows up, and, and he's healing people of leprosy. And Jesus called out after him. He says, I want you to, to go your way, and I want you to show yourself to the priest. says this in... Luke 17, 12 through 13, he says, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. See, if you were a leper, you weren't allowed to come into the town. You were an outcast. You were shunned because they thought it was contagious. And they lifted up their voice and says, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now something happens here next that was kind of unusual because Jesus was known for going up and hugging the lepers. Jesus was known for going up and touching the lepers, which was amazing. But this time he did something different. So verse 14, so when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. In other words, he did a little bit differently. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. You know why we have a hard time being thankful, brothers and sisters? It's because we don't see God treating us the same way that he does somebody else. 
And we get jealous, don't we? See, remember what I said, that everybody was used to Jesus coming up and interacting them and touching them, and Jesus just said, go, go show yourselves to the priest. See, what Jesus said was actually biblical in Deuteronomy. They were told to go show themselves to the priest if they had leprosy, and they were cured. They were treated differently. And the Bible says, as they went, as they went, they were beautiful, but as they went, they were healed. But see, Jesus healing people, Jesus healing people have become an expectation. Jesus healing people have become an entitlement. People would demand that Jesus healed them. Can you imagine that? They would demand that Jesus heal them. Some people come to church with expectations that, Lord, you need to do this for me or you need to do that for me. Can I tell you, that's not how God, that's not how God operates. But the Bible is specific when he mentions this story. There was one. Out of all the ten, there was one who realized what happened to him. He realized that he was being healed. And he knows that Jesus said, go yourself, show yourselves to the priest. He knows that Jesus said that. But as he's walking along, as he's walking along, he notices that his hands suddenly don't have the leprosy on them. And he probably pulls up his, his clothes and he's looking for the leprosy and he's, he sees that he's been healed and all of them are healed. But then he turns around and he goes back and he bows before Jesus. See, he was so overcome about what just happened to him. The other nine just kept going, right? They just said, oh, we're healed. And they went and showed themselves to the priest. But this one, this one man, this one man came back and he came to Jesus and he bowed before him. He just began to worship him. And he began to praise him. And he returns and he gives thanks, brothers and sisters. You know what Jesus said about this guy? Now, Jesus performed a lot of miracles, but this miracle made it into the word of God because he wanted to be sure that we heard this. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? This guy wasn't even Jewish. But he returned. Some versions call him a Samaritan. And he said to me, or said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you. Well, see, let's go a little deeper. Are you ready? When Jesus said, your faith has made you well, that word well actually means, it goes a little deeper. We're going to go into the Hebrew here, okay? It actually means delivered, free. Okay, so you guys, are you guys tracking me where I'm going with this? See, leprosy binds you. Leprosy causes you to live in fear and isolation. Leprosy literally eats away your soul. So it wasn't just the fact that he was healed. He was delivered. So many people in our church, they may get healed from something, 
They may have have something removed out of their lives, but they have not been made whole because they have not come with an attitude of thankfulness and say, well, Lord, you didn't work on the timeline that I wanted you to. We need to stop trying to tell God what to do and to be thankful for what he does when he does it. Even if he doesn't answer all the prayer, he's going to do it one day, amen? We need to stop being mad at God and glorying God, amen? We need to be thankful. And this man runs back and he gets on his knees and he say thank you and he says because you have done this you have now been delivered you've been delivered you know I don't know about you but I'm ready for some Christians to be delivered I'm tired of Christians walking around with grumpiness in their hearts amen but God you didn't work the way I wanted you to anybody felt that way besides me Come on, it's okay to raise your hands. I get that way. I get frustrated. I want God to give me a million dollars. And of course, I say to him, and I'll give it away. (laughs) Not really, (laughs) right? You know, so many people want God to make them rich. But let's be honest, what would we do with money, right? I mean, I'd buy me a boat, and you'd never see me again because I don't know how to operate a boat, right? I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know which way is aft and which way is... The other one, <laughs> right? We, we pray for these things, and God doesn't give it to us because we don't have the right heart about it. It talks about this in James. Thank you for reading James, by the way. It's an awesome introduction. We have to look at this and realize that God wants to make you well. Not only does he want to answer your prayer, but he wants to deliver you. He wants you far away from that request and that you ever have to ask it again. He wants you to take you to that next level, amen? But we have to have an attitude of thankfulness. Sometimes, okay, I'm I'm just warning you, get ready, okay? You ready? Sometimes we can get so focused on how we've been treated or so focused on how those before us have been treated that we forget what God has done for us right now. We forget. Does there need to be accountability for people that have treated people wrong? Of course. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes, there needs to be accountability. But can I tell you that in our hearts we need to forgive people? We need to forgive and we need to forgive and let God take care of that? We need to forgive and let God deal with those things? We need to, we need to forget the past and focus on what God is doing right now. Amen? Listen, I'm not saying we dishonor the past. I will never say that. There are things about the past that we need to confront. Let's be real about that. We need to confront how things were done in the 40s and 50s and 60s. We need to talk about those things. But at the end of the day, we need to move past that and realize that God has given us a new day and that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and be thankful for where we are now. Amen? We need to be thankful for our lives right now. God has blessed us. There's nobody in this room that is homeless, right? But yet God has given us somewhere to be. I was talking with Brother Fred. Brother Fred's been given housing. That's a miracle, brother. God has blessed you. I was worried about you being in that, that camper, but God has blessed you. He's taken care of you. God has blessed us, and he's done things for us. Amen? We need to be thankful for what he's done in our lives. We need to be thankful towards each other. I want you to know, and I say this with all my heart, I am so thankful that each and every one of you attend this church. I want you to know that. I'm so thankful that you're here. 
You just have no idea how thankful I am that you're here. But my thankfulness to you doesn't mean that you can take advantage of me and expect things of me. There's got to be a mutual thankfulness, amen? There, there, we can't have expectations. on The only expectation we can have on each other is to love each other. The only expectation we can have on each other is to honor one another. You see, I want to make sure that we honor each other, that we honor our elders. Elders, we love you. We love you. We want you to know that we appreciate. I, I want to I be real when I say this, okay? Elders, I'm thankful that you paved the way for us to be here. You made the sacrifice. You made the spiritual sacrifice. And because of you, this church still exists. I know church is not done the same way that it was when, back when you started here, but things change, amen? Things change. So I am, I am thankful that you are here. I am thankful for what you've done. Now, you young people in this church today, I'm thankful that you are here. You know why? Because you could be somewhere else. There's a lot of pressure on you to go off and do other things. But you chose God today, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all you middle-aged people like me. Now, if you don't know if you're middle-aged or not, just, well, I could say a few things, but I won't. If you can remember certain television shows like the A-Team, you're probably middle-aged or older. Wasn't the A-Team an awesome show? That was such a great show. I'm thankful for you. You know why? Because you're the backbone of this church. You're helping this church continue in the way that you're, that you're faithful. I'm thankful for my wife because she puts up with me. You guys have no idea. I'm thankful for Nick on the soundboard. Do a good job, buddy. Thankful for Ezra and Zeke on the computer and the slides. Thankful for Nick for running Pursue. Thankful for Mary and what she does downstairs. I'm thankful for our finance committee, Carlene and Richard and Will. I'm thankful for my dad doing the Celebrate Life. It's so easy to complain. How many know that? It's easy to complain, right? Come on. When my son was younger, he would say something negative about himself. He would, just because that's the way young boys are, and he is getting bullied a little bit. So every time he said something negative about himself, we would always make him say three positive things about himself. And he struggled at first because he said, I don't know what to say. And I said, okay, I'll give you one. You have an awesome dad. And he said, okay, I can say that. And I was just joking with him, but I was trying to get him to understand some things. It's so easy. Now, now he does great. He doesn't talk like that anymore. Because the same positive things about himself has become natural. Brothers and sisters, rather than complain, rather than point out the things that are wrong in our lives and everything else, what if we had an attitude of thankfulness? If we look at the world... There's so much wrong with it. We got people running for office that shouldn't be running for office because they're just crazy. But instead of focusing on that, instead of arguing about ideologies, why can't we just be thankful that we live in America? Why can't we just be thankful that we have a church that we can go to, that the police aren't at the door checking our IDs and remembering our names? 
Why can't we just be thankful that we're not in the pandemic anymore where we have to stay home and watch on TV? Why can't we be thankful that we have clothes to put on, a house to live in, we can listen to a message? Why can't we be thankful that we can listen to music? Brothers and sisters, this Thanksgiving, instead of focusing on what's wrong, getting into an argument with family members, let's talk about what's right. Let's talk about what's right and what is right. I'm going to tell you who's right is Jesus. Jesus is right. Will you stand with me, please? Brothers and sisters, I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful. We have been through We have been through some difficult times together, haven't we? We've been through the pandemic. But you know what? You didn't lose your faith. You kept it. I'm thankful for that. A lot of churches are struggling financially, but guess what you did? You gave more. A lot of churches are struggling with attendance, but you kept coming. We have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be grateful for. But it starts before you come into service. You walk in with a heart of thanksgiving. Now, if you don't know what to be thankful for, talk to me. I can help you with that. Because there's so much to be thankful for. I want you to close your eyes. video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.